This is Road to the Cup on ESPN LA, Monday, November 28th. Good to talk to you. I'm Dave Denholm here on ESPN LA, your home for world football in Southern California. Road to the Cup, boy, it is marching on, right? Now we are done with the match day twos. Out of every group, we begin those final days of group stage play coming up tomorrow. And we'll certainly get to that. The USA and Iran is the big news as the United States must win or they're going home. A draw or a loss will not do it. A draw would likely send Iran through. Not guaranteed. Certainly a win would send Iran through. And Iran could still win the group, depending on what happens in that England-Wales game. We'll break that all down. But more importantly, I am feeling a little bit more confident. I'm always a mess when it comes to the United States games, right? I'm a, a, an absolute mess. But I'm feeling a little more confident because of what I heard from a 23-year-old captain of Team USA in the United States men's national team, Tyler Adams, in his press conference earlier in the day before this match against Iran. Now, we all know the political upheaval. We heard it from our, right here on this show. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to that podcast of the Stephen Betashore interview after the first day of matches in this group in which Beta really broke down how difficult it was for Iran and how they didn't really want to play in the first match. And yet, they came out and... uh got the result against Wales. It was a tough game, but they managed two goals in stoppage time and got the big victory. And now Iran sitting better position than the United States is in the group, although it just comes down to beating Iran or vice versa for which team's going to go out of this group. Again, whoever wins this game is going through for sure. That's what we know. If Iran were to get a draw, if the United States gets a draw, they're out. If Iran gets a draw, they might go through. But I heard from Tyler Adams today in a heated press conference heated from some of the Iranian journalists. And they weren't happy, obviously, because what had happened, the story, of course, the United States, some people within U.S. soccer apparently uh, took away the Islamic symbol from the flag for a while, whether it was, I think it was social media posts or wherever they were doing that. And, of course, that's going to get back to Iran, no question about that. And that had, but officially had nothing to do with the players, Greg Berhalter, nobody uh, around the team. They didn't even know about it. But of course, they're going to get asked about it. They're going to get, you know, grilled on that. But they were also uh, grilled by uh, an Iranian journalist, Tyler Adams was, with this question. And I just, I am more confident in this team than ever that this man is our captain. Listen to this, the question and then the answer from the captain of the U.S. men's national team at a press conference today, Tyler Adams. First of all, you say you support the Iranian people, but you're pronouncing our country's name wrong. Our country is named Iran, not Iran. Please, once and for all, let's get this clear. Second of all, um, are you okay to be representing a country that has so much discrimination against black people in its own borders? And uh, we saw the Black Lives Matter movement uh, over the past few years. Are you okay to be representing the U.S.? Meanwhile, there's so much discrimination happening against black people in America. My apologies on uh, the mispronunciation of your country. Um, Yeah, that being said, you know, there's discrimination uh, everywhere you go. Um, You know, one thing that I've learned, especially from living abroad in the past years and uh, having to fit in in different cultures and kind of assimilate into different cultures, 
is that in the U.S. we're we're continuing to make progress uh, every single day. You know, growing up for me, I was I, I grew up in a in a white family with an obviously an African American heritage and background as well. So um, I had a little bit of uh, different cultures, and I, I was very very easily able to assimilate in different different cultures. So um, you know, not everyone has that that ease and uh, the ability to do that. And obviously, it takes longer to understand. And through education, I think it's it's super important. Like you just educated me now on the pronunciation of of your country. So. Um, um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a process. I think as, as long as you see progress, uh, that's the most important thing. Absolutely brilliant. I am more confident about him as our captain and I'm more confident against the, about this team, rather, because there's concerns about the age, right? One of the youngest teams in the tournament. I had said they were the youngest. I believe Ghana's the youngest. But the United States is right there. And this guy's our captain at 23 years old. To answer a question like that, a, a tough question. Again, the Iranian journalist has every right to ask it. Perfectly fine. But it was a tough question. Make no mistake. And Tyler Miller could have ducked, or Tyler Adams rather could have ducked it. Could have got, you know, tried to just skirt around the issue. No. Answered from his own personal experience. Handled it brilliantly. Apologized for, yeah, okay. People don't pronounce Iran's name correctly in the United States often. Let's face it. That, you know, that. It could be offensive to them. Fine. He apologized. Brilliant. That's And it's some things go above sports. Well, that answer went above sports. But it also gives me more confidence in this team on the pitch, ironically. Because if he's our captain, I'm sleeping better tonight. And certainly Tyler Adams has had a brilliant tournament. I didn't expect him to come out and have a bad game tomorrow. Even if he does... The United States are in good hands with him as our captain. Love it. And on to the pitch. The United States-Iran is going to be a tough game. I'll have my prediction later. We're going to be talking with Max Bredos coming up. We'll get his thoughts on it. This is not the... And I don't think most... I would, I would say the vast majority of real footballing fans who are watching the World Cup, no matter what happened in Iran's first match against England, I think we all kind of realize what happened there. And then to see them turn it around against Wales, much like Costa Rica did, right? Got their, literally got depanced against Spain in the first game. It was the one of the ugliest World Cup games of all time. They come out and beat a good Japan team, Costa Rica does. They're now the only team in CONCACAF that has a win in this tournament so far. So these things change game to game, and Iran proved that against Wales. Fully deserved the three points. They're in a better position than the U.S. is. They would all, in all likelihood, go through with a draw. So every real diehard footballing fan knows Iran's going to be a tough game. No question. Coupling that with the fact they only need a draw makes it all the more a difficult challenge for the U.S. And the biggest concern I still have is, can the U.S. unlock a truly good defense? And Iran has a truly good defense. Now, didn't look like it against England. There are possibilities. Yeah, you can break this team down. You can break any team down. And the way the U.S. has been playing at times, they have broken down both Wales and England. So it's all there to play for. It's just not the cakewalk, people would think. Because the non-sporting you know, or non-soccer fan, non-World Cup fan, is going to look at it and go, well, of course you're going to beat Iran. That's just the stupidest stuff we hear all the time. And every World Cup, Prove these people wrong who just blatantly look at a sheet and go, well, yeah, Serbia is in Europe. Of course they're going to win. And this team's going to beat that team because they're in Europe or they're in 
you know, it's of course Argentina is going to beat this team. Or that's not every World Cup up until like the final four, until <laughs> the la- the semis. Every World Cup has nothing but craziness, and yet every time we still got to put up with people just. Oh, of course the United... Well, okay, as soon as the draw comes out, able, well, chalk up three points against Iran for the U.S., right? That's automatic. Now we just got to worry about... Way- no! In many ways, this was always going to be our toughest game because it's the last game. And there's... Pl- uh, usually, the United States gets out of the group, right? So that means the third game always means something. And as it ha- stands now, it really means something for both teams, which... After the first match, you might not have even thought was possible with Iran. But to recover the way they did against Wales, and not only just recover, it wasn't like they were holding on by the skin of their teeth and just squeaked out some goal that they didn't really deserve. Now, it took them a while, stoppage time, but they got two of them, and they deserved them. They outshot Wales. I think, I don't even have the stat. I think it was like 21 to 10 or something like that. It was crazy. They were the better team. And we drew with Wales. So to sit here and think, oh, we'll break it down a little bit further how the U.S. does attack this Carlos Quiroz side that will, in all likelihood, give them the ball, want to hit on the counter at least for a while, depending on how the game flow goes. Because, again, Iran, I mean, there's a like a way better than average chance they go through with a draw, right? Wales would have to beat England by a ridiculous sum of goals. I mean, with Wales being at minus two right now. Now, I know Iran doesn't have a great goal deficit, so... I guess that makes a difference in theory, but Wales would have to still win that game against England. So, but I guess you know Iran can't really assume that Wales is going to lose the or even draw with the English side. So they have to go out and at least you know put it to the United States a little bit. It's going to be interesting, no question about it. Max Bredas is going to come up and talk a little bit about that coming next. But what else is going to be interesting is the final day in Group C. That's coming up. Wednesday, and you can go to a watch party in a couple of different locations. If you've been to them, they look like amazing times, right? Everybody's having a great time, courtesy of ESPN LA and our friends at Estrella Jalisco. It's Mexico and Saudi Arabia, final game in Group C. Wednesday, coming up at 11 a.m., Big Al's in Ontario, that's 4120 East 4th Street, or you can go over to Biggs in Fullerton, 30, 323 North State College over there in Fullerton. All of that brought you by our friends at Estrella Jalisco and ESPN LA. Those watch parties have been a lot of fun. El Tree, look, they're fun to watch. <laughs> they got their work cut out for them. They're going to need all the support they can get, not only in Qatar, but all the way back here in the States, here in Southern California as well. And you can join in on watch parties there for El Tree. Again, brought to you by Estrella Jalisco and ESPN LA. Still to come, Max Bredos, LAFC announcer. Soccer Maven joining us next, and I'll have my USA-Iran prediction later in the show and a preview of what's going on in a crazy Group A, all of that and so much more. This is Road to the Cup. I'm Dave Denholm, and you are listening to ESPN LA. Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Dave Denholm with you here every Monday through Friday, plus we'll have a special show, by the way, on the final day of the World Cup here on ESPN LA. And joining us now, he is a friend of ours and has been a friend for a long time in the world of football. If you are a soccer fan in America, you know the great Max Bredos, LAFC announcer, and uh, just a legend in the game. Max, thanks for taking the time, Max. First and foremost, let's go to the day, today's games. Real quickly, I saw some tweets earlier in the day. You were talking about a little bit about Uruguay, and I agree with you. I, I thought Uruguay... 
Max did not set up well for this match with Diego Alonso, the manager. I thought he was too cynical about this match with Portugal. Yeah, I, well, that's what they do, right? I mean, we, we've seen them do that, and they've been successful with allowing the other teams to get the ball, and you can, um, uh, and then they find a way to react. That's always what Uruguay's been, but this is such a, this is such a different Uruguay team because of Valverde and Betancourt, and then Vecino, who's a really that, that midfield can own games, and I, I just think you neuter them a bit in these games, and. Uh, in, in this case, they uh, they just needed more chances. I mean, they had like three. They had three really good looks, the good one by Betancourt. And I felt terrible. I mean, people are going to be critical of Darwin Nunez and Edison Cavani, but they didn't get anything from no. this, the Uruguayan players behind them. And I think when you're playing two guys as explosive as that, with that midfield, you owe it to yourself to be a little bit more enterprising. But uh, I guess they thought Portugal was uh, too big of an opponent and – they played a, a negative way, and then they, they, they panicked at the end, and it looked great. You know, they were, they were applying pressure, and they were getting chances. You just wish they yeah, – I know they can't do it the whole 90 minutes, but maybe a little bit more, maybe 15, 20 more minutes committed to, to creating and attacking. Well, we'll certainly have to see that out of them against uh, Ghana in their final game, that's for <laughs> sure. Elsewhere on the day, Max, one of the best games in the tournament, Cameroon and Serbia – and then, of course, Brazil move on against a very resolute and tough Switzerland team. But overall, what are your thoughts so far on this tournament, Max? Besides the United States, of course, and watching the U.S., Canada, Mexico, what have you liked out of this tournament? I'll tell you, before I go on with that, Dave, let's, uh, let's have a, a moment of silence for the 2 a.m. Pacific time games. They have ended <laughs> with Serbia and Cameroon. So we don't have to wake up at uh, not even the crack of dawn. It's still at night. <laughs> That's a great point, actually. I remember in my days of doing the U-17s over at Fox Soccer, where we'd be getting up for our meetings at 11 p.m. the night before, <laughs> basically, to do those 2 a.m. It's a very good point, yeah. Uh, long live the 2 a.m. Uh, 2022 World Cup game start time, but uh, they are dead now. Uh, Max is right. We're going to yes. be moving into those. Well, let's move into those the third games, and of course the big one, USA-Iran. First of all, before we break that game down, uh, your thoughts so far about the United States? Certainly everything to play for, two draws. Where are you at with the U.S. right now in this tournament, Max? Uh, and Just to, to, to close what we were talking about earlier, I, what I love about the tournament so far is uh, the chaotic nature. It feels a bit like 2002 where uh, – Anything can happen in any game. No one's the, – the, the space from the top and the bottom is closed. I don't think that's a, a systemic thing. I think it's partially due what is happening – that the tournament's happening in Qatar. I think that evens the playing field. So I expect some more surprises, which I love. As for the United States, this is I've – been, I've been really pleased with them. And I, I, I know, Dave, we talk about it all the time. I'm not saying the U.S. fan base, but the vocal fan base that you see on social media made it sound like, you know, this U.S. team was the one we were seeing in 2017. You know, it's like it's a matter of time. They're they're going to fall on their face. Greg Berhalter has just mismanaged this team into the ground and uh, lower your expectations. So uh, even I mean, even that, even after the Wales games, there was a lot of questions to be asked. And, you know, since Wales lost to Iran, the people are going, oh, this Wales team is terrible. I'm like, you know. Not a lot of teams qualify out of Europe. Wales was one of them, so they're pretty good. They knocked out Ukraine, which we thought was a good team. Italy didn't qualify. Sweden didn't qualify. 
Wales did. Uh, this is a team that deserves to be here. So even though it was an inspiring effort, um, the USA got something. They should have gotten more. But then the same could have been said in the England game. They should have gotten more. That surprised me. I thought they would be chasing that game a bit, but you could see what they were capable of. And I think we were all inspired by it. Yeah, we want to see goals, and we want to see this team win a game. And I know the uh, the casual soccer fan that tunes in for the World Cup is probably going, I didn't sign up for this, but it's good. It's good what's happening. I think they're due for some goals the way they're playing. They deserve goals the way they're playing. So hopefully that happens tomorrow. But, uh, you know, this is uh, – I think they've tactically – Greg Berhalter has figured it out. Uh, no, you know, people were we, – we always had that MLS campaign. That, no MLS players on the U.S. team. Well, there really is one that starts and a couple more that come in. Not that we should be discouraged for MLS players. They, they've, they've earned a big part, and a lot of the European-based players were once MLS players. But uh, I think the U.S. are, are really we're in a good shape. The problem is with this game now is – it comes in with uh, a, a burden off the field issues with this with this tweet and what's happening uh, in Iran and um, we'll see we'll, we'll have to see how a young team responds. But I think the youth is a good thing. You want some experience, but I think the fact they're going in here and they they've obviously shown they're wiser beyond their years. But I, I, I the, the young teams in this tournament, uh, I think the youngest ones, Ghana, they've looked well. Ecuador has played well. Spain is, I think. The fourth youngest team, they've been really good. And I think youth has been served. There's something about this where I think this, that, that youthful exuberance will be a positive for this team. All great stuff, no doubt about it. We're talking with Max Bradoss. He's a soccer legend, LAFC announcer, friend of ours, <laughs> has been for a long time, Max. how? And I, I agree with you completely about the U.S. They've played very well. i actually been very encouraged. I think we can play with anybody in the world, Max, but you do yeah. have to score goals. We're a little bit uh, sloppy up front, maybe in the final third. How do they break down this Iranian side? Carlos Quiroz knows he pretty much only needs a draw in all likelihood how do you break down a team where Kirosh is going to be willing to park the bus and then hit you on the counter? Yeah, and I, I would say I would look at the England-Iran game and see if you can get some inspiration out of that because Iran parked the bus for that. And granted, this was a different Iran team from then and now. But they played with five defenders. In the Wales game, they played, uh, I want to think it was a 3-4-3. Three, three. It was a little more attack oriented or four three three pardon me so they're going to play five four one i think which just shows to tell you how hard it's going to be to uncrack but you uh you you don't want to force the issue but you don't you don't want to get into the deep end of this game where you haven't scored so i, I think you throw everything at it um we there's was talk about geo reina coming in i don't see that happening but maybe you give him a little bit more time i wonder if because I was thinking about this, Dave, and I heard some people mention it on uh, here and there on some of the things I've been listening to. So uh, the first game was started by Josh Sargent. The second game by Haji Wright. Maybe, you know, they haven't created a lot of chances. And then Jesus Fadeda is there. Maybe the, 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 the criticism on him is that he doesn't finish chances, but he does help create them. He's just that kind of guy. So maybe that's a player that can kind of find a little more space in there to crack. But... The guys who can take on defenders, they can make their own space. Christian Pulisic has to be huge. Gio Reyna is one of those guys. That's why I'd love to see him um, 
Brendan Aronson to a lesser degree, but those guys who can take on defenders have to beat them because once you get a guy behind them, then you can now you're cooking with something where you might be able to find an open look and just be in the right position. And for for goodness sakes, just be careful about the space behind you because that's what Iran will be waiting on. You don't want them to get something, and all of a sudden we're watching a game knowing there's we're down a goal and we're like uh, World Cup is ending here. So there's there's a lot there, but I'm confident the U.S. can. Uh, make at very least a competitive game, if not win this game, and hopefully get just get the goals to come pouring out. I think that's possible. If they do get a goal, Max, are you the one who, a uh, kind of guy like me who believes, like, look, I don't know that the United States, if they get an early goal, relatively early, let's say, and it's not like a 95th-minute goal to win it, I don't think this game ends 1-0 if the United States gets a goal. That's my fear that Burhalter may try to just strangle the game for a 1-0. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's, I mean, and Iran is, one, one thing they've not had in their games is low scoring. They've scored four goals. So this is not like the Iran team we saw four years ago. So they have a nose for it. So I think it's going to require more than one goal. I, I certainly believe that. So it's it's, it's how, uh, uh, how many risks the U.S. take. I say go for it. I mean, even the fullbacks, bomb them forward and find wherever there's space. If Iran's giving you out space wide, take that. If they're giving you some space in between the center backs, find your guys that can break it through because they can't cover all the field. So, I mean, you just got to throw a, the, kitchen, the proverbial kitchen sink, but at the right time and, you know, and be very, vary it around because to your point, even if you're up one zip and it's in the second half, I, you, if you're, if they're letting you have the ball, you just don't kick it around. And they're going to still, even though Iran might be chasing a game, it's not like they're going to start commanding the possession. They're going to still let you get probably more of the possession. Just use it and uh, just don't be satisfied. Yeah, I think it's going to, I'd be surprised if the smoke clears and it's 1-0 USA or 1-0 Iran at the end of that. I couldn't agree more. He is Max Bredos, the LAFC announcer and a good friend of ours. Of course, you know him. Throughout his career as a diehard soccer fan, we love him for it. Uh, Max, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy, and uh, joining us on Road to the Cup. Hey, Dave, thanks for all the love. You guys are way too kind in any time, and enjoy the rest of the games, man. This is uh, this is the fun stuff. We can rest at the end of all of this. Max Bredas, thank you so much. Still to come, my U.S.-Iran prediction in today's games in Group G and H. It's Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Dave Denholm with you here. As we keep moving on, have my USA-Iran prediction coming up, plus a look at games in Group G and H today. <laughs> Some craziness in both those groups. Don't forget, Mexico, big one against Saudi Arabia. Everything on the line. If El Tree can get out of this group, they always get out of the group. It's going to take something special against Saudi Arabia on Wednesday, 11 a.m. You can be part of the fun with the watch parties. Two of them, not just one. Big Al's in Ontario, 4120 East 4th Street, or go over to Biggs in Fullerton, if that's closer to you. 323 North State College Boulevard, Biggs in Fullerton, or Big Al's over in Ontario. Those watch parties, Mexico, Saudi Arabia, brought to you by ESPN LA and our friends at Estrella Alisco. Now, United States, Iran, coming up tomorrow. The game, the game was USA, England. The United States got a great draw that they probably should have won, which sounds vaguely familiar, right? And therein lies the, the danger of me with my prediction. I am very fearful of another draw, and we pack our bags and go home. I don't think Iran can beat us necessarily. Now, if they counter and are just absolutely clinical and then the game opens up and the U.S. kind of 
make a mistake after you're down one. I mean, yes, Iran could end up getting the victory. The United States is going to have a lot of the ball. They're going to have most of the possession. They're going to be the team that looks to be in more control of the game, which, again, Carlos Quiroz won't mind. Neither will Iran on the pitch. They won't hate that. And they're going to be tough to break down. I got a bad feeling that if the U.S. doesn't find those finishing boots, that it goes three draws and you're done. And boy, will that feel disgusting. Like, let's try to wrap our head around that. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I still believe the U.S. can beat any team in this tournament that I've seen. Any. The United States can win the World Cup. Or we could go out tomorrow. I know that. We could lose to anybody, too. We can lose to anybody in this cup or beat anybody. And so don't get me wrong. Don't think I'm some U.S. men's national team hater. I love what they're doing. And I would not be surprised if they do get an early goal and they do romp over Iran in a great match. And then it t- you know changes our whole opinion of this group play. We might even win the group. <laughs> I can see it. I'm not down. But I also, if you look at the way Iran defends... And how they can hit you on the counter, Serdar Azmoun up front, good players. Jahan Baksh is not going to be able to, you know, he probably would have come off the bench, but he's got two yellows, so he's out. He's a good player. So Alireza Jahan Baksh not available for Iran with the two yellows. That is big for me in terms of hitting us on the counter, some skill, some set piece. I mean, just Kirosh would have probably went to him in key time and certainly you would expect of him at least to come off the bench against us. He can't. So that's good news. But the United States is going to have to break down an Iranian, Iranian side who's just very good defensively, very disciplined. It didn't look like it against England, but we've outlined all of that. Certainly looked like it against Wales. And I suspect we'll see uh, an Iranian side much closer to the one we saw against Wales than the one we saw against England. That's the problem. Unless the U.S. can find... Like, where we get to the point where it's like eight, you know, seven, eight, ten chances. And I'm not saying we need that many. I'm saying that could be then the four nil that we're hoping for and looking for. God, can't we just make it easy once? Why is it with the U.S.? And I know it's every team. I, I'm just, I know it's most teams. I shouldn't say every, but a couple of teams have already gotten through with just two games played. But it doesn't happen very You still have to battle. But it just seems like the U.S. just, oh, golly. We just leave it to the bitter end. Would it surprise anybody if this thing is hanging by a thread in the 99th minute? Of course not. Of course it wouldn't. And that's that's my prediction. Forget the final score. It's we're all going to be miserable in the 99th minute. Win, lose, or draw because of where it's going to be, right? Mario, am I wrong here? There's no way there's going to be four nil U.S. Right? It just, just, I mean, we could do it. Four nil. No, I. That but, sounds funny. Like Dave. we could do that, <laughs> right? We could perform well, but where the goal is going to come from, I don't know. But it's more about they're just going to torture us. That's just the way it is. I mean, that's. Oh, of course, you know. of course, that's the way it goes. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, it's just that's the nature of me and my sports fandom. For one thing, it's, I never get an easy ride out of anything. They're just. It's going to be the you know the the easiest one of the easiest rides I've ever had in my sports fandom, if you will. Of course, I was working is the Western Conference Final against Austin for LAFC, which you know Austin had beaten us twice. LAFC went and made it you know three. It was a nice little romp through the uh, through the uh, 
the blades of grass at Bank of California State. Now, you knew the final was going to be miserable because Philadelphia is tough. But you get my point. My fandom is United States. I want them to beat Iran 4-0. That is not going to happen. We're just going to be hanging on just tooth and nail. It's going to be edge of our seat. Misery. Misery for 100 minutes probably or more. That being said, though, they can totally win the group. I could totally see that happening. Yeah, I, I could see Wales, you know, digging in against England and really, you know, working for a draw. Just, yeah. you know, knowing you're going home. So you're just going to not let the, you know, hey, we're not going to let England beat us. They don't, you know, certainly, this is Wales' biggest game of the group. We're going to have to scrap a goal together, which could happen as well. Yeah. We're performing well and somehow, some way, scrap a goal together, put it in the back of the net, and there you go. That's how it happens. Yeah. Go, you're winning the group. Because England will likely get through with that goal difference anyway. They're already on four points. You know, it's going to be difficult mm-hmm. for them. I mean, they could bomb out of the tournament theoretically, but that would be Wales winning 4-0, literally. If Wales wins 4-0, England is going home. But <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. That's just, yeah, I mean, that's very, very unlikely. We have a far better chance of opening up Iran early, maybe a couple goals, than winning 4-0. So... But in any event, it's going to be misery. That's what, I, that's what I'm predicting. Pain. Not because we're going to lose or be knocked out necessarily. It's just going to be miserable. And I, that's just the way I – I don't know. That's the way I've been watching. The older I get, I, I get – it's weird. I get a little less enjoyment out of the games while they're happening because they're so tense for me. The older I get, I don't know why. And I do love them. I love the beautiful game. I love – but – and then it, after, it's just Wow. Like, if they do get through, it's going to be amazing because they can make a run. Is there a number nine, Dave, that, that you would feel more comfortable with out of the ones we have? Which one would make you feel a little bit more yeah, comfortable? Yeah, I, I honestly think all of them could, you know, break through tomorrow. But I do I do like the thought of Jesus Ferreira from FC Dallas. And I know a lot of people are just going to go right back to the, well, this guy plays in Europe. Let's go with him. This guy plays in Europe. Jesus Ferreira was spectacular this season. MVP type kind of season for FC Dallas. And Jesus Ferreira can set up his teammates. He's got great vision. But also, you know, people say, well, he's not the finisher. I've seen him finish some shot, like, you know, from 30, 35 yards out where he just hits bombs. And they're, you know, deadly accurate. Like, we might need that against a bunkered in around the inside, right? And I'm not saying, again, who knows? Maybe Josh Sargent will go out and do that instead if he starts. I hope so. If. I will root for anybody who's starting as if they're, you know, my son. I don't care tomorrow. Don't get me wrong. Whatever Burhalter goes with, that's what we're going with, and I'll ride with it. But I would, if I'm writing out the team sheet tomorrow, Jesus Ferreira gets the nod. If he's 100%, you know, all those little factors that we don't know about specifically, of course. But everybody's healthy, everybody's ready to go, then it's Jesus Ferreira for me to try to break down. And, of course, you've got to have a short leash on anybody, Mario. We need to win, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to have a short leash on a guy up front if they're not getting involved enough, or if they're not breaking, you know, Iranians, Iran's defense down, if they're not making the right run, you're out. I mean, this is like this is like a game seven in baseball where your whole bullpen's ready first pitch. I, I feel mean, like it'll be Ferreira. There's no mess around. I think, I think it'll be a Ferreira or Sargent. I don't think Wright is going to be in there at all. Yeah, I didn't see an, I didn't see enough of him that would be like, oh, okay, yeah. you know, like, exactly. oh, yeah, of course Greg's going to start him again. I mean, I— Again, he wasn't terrible by any means, and it's England. They were they mm-hmm. do have a tough defense, and it was going to be a tough game. But and he did some decent thing. I'm, I'm you know, but no, I, he might be put in late in the match tomorrow for you know 
set-piece opportunities, a big man, maybe hold up the ball late. Who knows? But it wouldn't surprise me you're right. It wouldn't surprise me if you're right uh, with that call. I think it might be Jesus. That's who I would go with. That's who I would feel most comfortable about. Boy, you could not get comfortable with some of these games earlier in the day, Mario. And my prediction, by the way, is if I have to just lay it out there, USA, Iran, I hope I'm dead wrong, but I smell like a 1-1 and we're going home. And I'm not saying it's going to be some goal in the 100th minute to backbreak us or anything. I just feel like Iran is better than we think, and, and, I, and I really do hope we get our scoring boots on and maybe just run away with us and make me look terrible. But I do think Iran gets it done and moves on with a draw. I, I don't. I definitely think we can win this game. Don't get me wrong. But how about you? Are you feeling anything? You don't have to. Pu- I don't have to put you on the record with a score or anything. But no, it's okay. We can go. Am with I the wrong? Score. We can go with the score. I feel like we're going to get a yeah. one. Am I wrong, Mario? I hope I'm wrong. But I, I think you are how wrong, you Dave. I think you are. According to my prediction, I think we're going to get a late, a late game goal, one nil from Pulisic, about eighty oh. second, eighty third minute goal, and then we just got to go to work and just protect that that goal, baby. Never. Have I been so hopeful that Mario's prediction is better than mine today? Like I never, I've never been more hopeful that I am dead wrong and Mario Rees is dead right. And that's rare too. That's very rare. No, I I hope that's exactly (laughs) the case coming up tomorrow in that game with the U.S. and Iran. Still to come, we are going to take a look at what's going on in groups A and B. Also, we do have to wrap up groups G and H on day two here. Boy, some good games. All of that and stoppage time. Right here on Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Dave at home with you. We are just so excited about that U.S.-Iran game coming up in Group B. The finales of these groups tomorrow. Other games, uh, we'll get to them in a moment, including the Netherlands and uh, Qatar and uh, Senegal and uh, Ecuador in Group A. And then, of course, Wales and England. But there was some big games in Group G and H on the day two of those match days. Or I should say group play. And we'll just go with it. Brazil move on, as does Portugal. Boy, if you speak Portuguese, you had a good day today in the World Cup in terms of your team moving on, right? Brazil uh, and the uh, and Portugal both moving on from their groups after just two games, both getting their second victories in the tournament. Brazil's without Neymar, the injured ankle. Boy, to that ankle. If you saw pictures on social media. That thing looked huge. Hopefully he can be back in this tournament. But they still get a, a Casemiro goal late in the 83rd. What a goal it was to finally break down the Swiss. And what do we say? Denmark and Switzerland, more and more as I watch them, are the two toughest teams to beat in the world, it seems, just the way they play. Now, Switzerland, to their credit, it wasn't like they just laid back for you know, 100 minutes and hoped for nil-nil. But they just couldn't really get that finishing touch. Brazil did do enough. They had their chances. They outshot Switzerland 13-6, so it wasn't like they down. But the shots on goal, 5-0. That's the difference. And Brazil had one goal called back with an offside on VAR. Uh, they are into the knockout rounds comfortably. They do have their final game coming up against Cameroon, which will be big because Cameroon and Switzerland are going to be battling as will Serbia is still alive. But the earlier day, Cameroon and Serbia played one of the games of the tournament. I don't know if you guys had a chance. to. It was early. It was early. I was up. Cameroon 3, Serbia 3. Cameroon got up early. Castelletto in the first half. And then at the end of the first half in stoppage time, two quick goals from Serbia that were just beautiful goals. Pavlovic and Milinkovic-Savic made it 2-1. And it looked like, uh uh-oh, Cameroon's going to be in trouble. Well, Cameroon gets two goals in a span of three minutes. Uh, Abubakar and then Eric Tupo-Moting, 63rd and 66th minute. 
but that was after Mitrovic had made it 3-1 on one of the best goals in the tournament. Go back and watch that Mitrovic goal set up by Serbia. It wasn't just the finish, which was fine. Serbia just sliced through Cameroon to make it 3-1. You thought it was over, but the Cameroonians got those goals, and then nobody could find a game winner. Back and forth, that game ebbed and flowed. Both teams just playing their guts out, knowing they want the win. You know, they really needed a win. Whoever lost was done virtually, although not literally. But right now, as it stands after that draw, Brazil is through. Switzerland's on three points, but a goal difference of zero. Cameroon on one point, a minus one goal difference. And then Serbia's got a lot of work to do. uh, One point minus three in Serbia. They do take on Switzerland. So they're figuring that Brazil, whether Brazil rests players or not, they're still loaded. If they beat Cameroon, Serbia beats Switzerland, and they're in, you know they're into the next round. So it's not uh, everybody's alive out of the other three, not out of the realm of possibility. Switzerland does just need the draw, and then hope Cameroon doesn't beat uh, Brazil by a decent chunk. Well, by more than one, I should say. Although Cameroon would have the goal. Well, the goal scoring thing. So, yeah, Switzerland really, yikes. It's it's tenuous in the rest of that group. Fantastic stuff there. We'll be breaking that down, of course, as they get to their match day threes coming up in several days. Group H saw a brilliant game. Ghana 3, Korea, South Korea 2. And this one was, whew, Salasu with a great goal early. And then Cho had a couple of goals after Ghana had made it 2-0 under through Caduce, this young player from Ajax who's just been so special, Mohamed Caduce. Had a goal in the first half. It's 2-0. Second half, Cho Gi-sung comes in and gets two goals in a matter of three minutes for South Korea. It's 2-2. And then, just seven minutes later, Caduce with his second of the match. And that was it. And South Korea poured forward in the last 20, 25 minutes. Oh, my goodness. Ghana, we're hanging on. South Korea outshoots Ghana 22-7 and 7-3 in shots and goals. So you're thinking like, oh, South Korea dominated. It was all in the last 20 minutes, just pouring forward. And Ghana just letting them, and then, you know, thankfully for them, putting the uh, the clamps on them defensively in the end, 3-2. What a game it was. Portugal got by Uruguay. We talked a little bit about that earlier with Max Bredas and how cynical I felt that Uruguay started the match. Now, it is what they do, but I thought they could have opened up a little bit earlier. Now, they might have felt like they were going to get run over. 2-0 was flattering a bit because of a late penalty. Bruno Fernandes got his second of the game. He scored one of the 54th where it just missed Ronaldo's head, who probably would have had the heading goal anyway. It slipped by him, and the keeper was obviously frozen by Ronaldo, making a great run. Great ball from Fernandes. and found the back of the net. Portugal beats Uruguay. Uruguay has not looked like the team that everybody thought, ooh, they can make a deep run. They haven't looked like that yet. Now, they're not out of it. Portugal's through. On the six points. Ghana with three points and a zero, you know, an even goal difference. South Korea and Uruguay both on one point after their draw in the first game, but South Korea is at minus one and Uruguay at minus two goal difference. So what it means though, as we go forward here, is Uruguay taking on um Ghana in that game. Or I'm sorry, um beg your pardon. Uh Uruguay is taking up uh, Ghana, I believe. Yeah. Is that is that what I said? Yeah, my bad. Uruguay's taking on Ghana. Portugal will take on South Korea. Portugal could be resting some players. They've had a bit of uh, an injury you know, bug here and there. Certainly getting through. In all likelihood, they've wrapped up the group as well, though that's not 100% certain. So that'll be interesting to see how they approach that game with South Korea. South Korea is still alive, although, again, with just one point, they need a big result. They need a win. And then Ghana against Uruguay is going to be a wicked good game. I mean, that is going to be 
back and forth, I suspect, from the opening whistle in that game. So a lot to play for there. I'm a little disappointed in Uruguay. Just don't think they've shown enough. Uh, boy, I'd like to see. I'd like to see a little bit more. As, as Max even said, with that midfield and the player Bentecourt and all the players they have in that midfield, let them play a little bit more. Again, Portugal. Yeah, they could beat you. They did anyway. And Portugal's good. I get it. But you're, you should be going toe to toe with these teams. And and it really, Uruguay came out to try to out physical them early and get really physical and dominant and f- hacking, not just fouling. Uruguay was like hacking Portugal, trying to get in their heads. This is not going to work against a good team most of the time. This is not, you know, this is not the your league play against the seventeenth best team in your twenty man or twenty team league. I mean, this is Portugal, right? They've seen it all. They got a guy thirty nine starting in the back line. I mean, Pepe has seen it all. He's done it all. They're not going to be you know wowed by Uruguay's physicality. Go play. And I think Diego Alonso's missed that a little bit in this game. And I think that's what happens sometimes when these teams look at a schedule specifically and it kind of just like, oh, that's Portugal. That's our second game. We got to go be physical. And they like these laser focus on that no matter what. You got to go win after that first game, that draw. Because if you do lose to Portugal, and you did, now you're in a deep hole. Now you may not get out of that hole. Against a Ghanaian side that could give you fits. And they're not going to be pushed around. If you watch Ghana play, they can dish it out with the best of them. And they got a lot of talent. That Caduce is a tough, tough player, man. I like him. And he's so young. I think he's only 20. I could be wrong on that. Don't quote me. But wow. Oh, what a game. Well, we still got those groups A and B tomorrow. Netherlands, Qatar. Obviously, Qatar is out. Netherlands looking good. Senegal, Ecuador is everything on the line there with... Obviously, with Ecuador four points, Netherlands with four, Senegal has uh, three points. This thing's going to be crazy. But it is time for stoppage time with the great Mario Reyes. Mario, what's going on, man? Dave, we got none other than Canelo trying to uh, trying to steal some attention from the Qatar World Canelo, Cup. Canelo, the boxer? Canelo, Canelo, the boxer. He apparently has beef with the legendary Lionel Messi for some reason here. Oh, now, he tweeted what out. Now? He tweeted out, did you guys see Messi cleaning the floor with our jersey and our flag? And then there's a picture of Messi kind of as a real blurry, blurry, freeze frame type of picture of Messi, like, you know, taking off his jersey, maybe his cleats. And there is a Mexico jersey on the floor kind of in front of him. I don't really know if he's like cleaning the floor or not, but it kind of looks like, you know, it's at its feet. Like maybe he just took it off and put it down. And then he also tweeted out like a minute later, Canelo tweets out, he better pray that I don't find him with some emojis of like some fists, like punching and stuff. I don't know about that. It's a little bit blown out of proportion here by Canelo. Obviously, he doesn't know, you know, football culture and the locker room culture where you take off your jersey and you throw them into the front, into the into the center. And then yeah. all that stuff gets picked up and then gets taken to the to the cleaners, you know? That's what they yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, look, somebody traded their jersey, of course, the L Tree jersey yep. with Messi, which every player wants to. Somebody gets that distinction. He still wants it to be washed. Some dude was just running around in it for 95 minutes, right? I mean, yeah. like, he still – he just threw his own jersey on the floor. Does he disrespect Argentina? No. Now, I don't know about the flag thing. I don't know. I don't know what that where Canelo's getting at, or if that's you know. I didn't see anything like that. I don't see any. That's flag a different here. level. That's of course a different level. You don't screw around, mess around with 
countries and their flags and other people's flags. I get that. I don't know what happened there. But the jersey thing and being in a clubhouse like that or a locker room, if you will, yeah, you're throwing your own jersey in a pile of sweaty, dirty jersey. It's not like Messi's going to take the El Tree jersey home sopping wet with sweat, you know, and like because he doesn't want you know, he's afraid to put it on the – no, I mean, you're going to get it washed by your staff. So that much ado about nothing or very little there, I think, very when little. it comes to the jersey Look, stuff. If, if and, what Canelo is saying is true, then Messi definitely would – would uh, issue an apology, but I don't think yeah. any of that is true, and the apology should be coming from Canelo maybe a few oh. days later after this, because I don't think there's anything that, to this. That is stoppage time. He is the great Mario Reyes. Don't forget, every Monday through Friday right here, and you can podcast the show if you uh, want to listen that way, if you miss something or the interviews going on. Check them out every day where you get your pods or the ESPN LA app. Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. This is Road to the Cup. Dave Denholm and you on ESPN LA.